I would probably say the most times you're going to see roadside officers make mistakes is when you have local, yeah. right? State police and California Highway Patrol and um, Texas Department of Public Safety officers. Like these are the ones, Pennsylvania State Police, these are the ones who are governing that and they're the ones that are trained and doing all stuff. Yep. Your local borough policeman is not trained. So if Correct. he pulls you over because you're just speeding and then he decides to give you an inspection, now he, he needs to actually be trained. Like it's not like all officers can actually Correct. give you an inspection. They can give you the violation for sure. He might even need to call somebody at his own, you know, hey, come down here and do the inspection because I'm not trained to do it. Um, so if he, but they don't do them a lot. So even if he's trained to do a level one inspection and he comes out, the volume that he's gone through, he might make a mistake yep. and he might give you a violation for uh, a flat tire, but he didn't actually take a reading. Exactly. Right? Well, they have to give you a reading. So if the reading's missing, I'll challenge it for you. Uh, if you are claiming an exception, there's so many nuanced rules. Roadside officers don't necessarily know all of them. Yes. Right? So um, we, 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 you might have claimed, uh, hey, you know, your driver's a cement truck driver and he's exempt from the 30 minute break. But then when the officer looks at his logs, he doesn't see a 30 minute break and then he gives him a violation for that. Uh, or failure to use an ELD device when required is a common one. And then we have to find out like, oh, it was actually a short haul driver. Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Caution Wide Right. It's just another trucking podcast. And hey, it's the end of season one of our first year with our podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. If you've missed out or don't want to miss season two for 2024, please like, subscribe, and be sure to check it out on our other channels. We have it on Apple Podcasts, we have it on Spotify, and any of the other channels you might want to, you know, whatever you use while you're on the road, uh, I'm sure our information's out there. So go check that out, like, subscribe, check out the other videos. But I'm Luke, your host, and today we're going to talk about the thing that affects your trucking company the most. Really, it's a matter of life and death in most situations for your company. It's CSA scores. Now, listen, we hear it all the time. I need help fixing my bad score. What do I need to do? Basically, what they're asking is, can you wave some kind of magic wand and make things disappear? The problem is carriers don't understand that there are either different types of scores, there's different factors uh, that are a part of your score, there's different ways to improve your score or scores. And with me today, I have one of our own DOT regulation experts here to help us understand the common misconceptions around the trucking safety scores, how they are used, how they affect your business, and how you can improve them. Jared Klein is the Client Services Director at CNS. He's an expert in FMCSA regulations and safety and compliance issues within the trucking industry, but also a licensed insurance producer. So really he's got the, the, the best of both worlds of knowing how the scores can affect your insurance premiums all the way to just what the, what the DOT regulators are looking for. Jared, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Luke. Appreciate it. Yeah, and so before we begin, I love to do the background stuff. So I'm curious, what got you in the trucking industry? So uh, my family has always kind of been in the trucking industry in one shape, way, shape, or form. Uh, my father was a diesel mechanic for about 45 years, um, and then his father was a truck driver in World War II. Uh, never went overseas, but he stayed around the, the, the States and, and drove tractor-trailer around. Yep. Um, and then he drove truck for years after that, so my whole family's kind of been involved in it. I have a couple uncles that have uh, their CDLs as well, so it's always been a part of kind of our family but um, I've, I've kind of formally been in the industry for uh, about six years and uh, love working for CNS and love uh, all the impact that we make in the industry. 
Yeah. And then your day to day, I mean, it's, it's balancing a lot of different things. What do you sort of, you know, what's on your task or, or on your plate a lot of the times and especially with clients. So de developing solutions to the, the problems um, is kind of where my role kind of comes in and that comes in a different, you know, form. Uh, sometimes it's sometimes it's talking to companies and saying, Hey, they call me and Hey, we got these problems and I need to kind of help them kind of figure it out. But it might be, uh, you know, developing services is kind of like, you know, structurally where my, where my task list kind of comes down from CNS is what programs can we offer that can act, um, offer measurable solutions to our clients. Yes. And that's really the key is like, what can they get out of it? Um, it's not just that we have, you know, again, like you said, a magic wand and kind of kind of fix all their problems, but you know, can we put policies and procedures and, and training and education in place and, you know, all that stuff is, is really where our impact comes to, but, you know, talking scores with people, talking what those scores mean, uh, working through audits. I, I've been through probably, yikes, I don't know, <laughs> probably close to 100 audits this year, um, yeah. which is, you know, equivalent to probably like an FMCSA investigator, like, you know, in terms of volume. So uh, we're very well in tune with how those go and, and what they mean. Awesome. So you sort of addressed it already, but Jared, are you sort of a trucking fairy godmother? Do you have a magic wand and you can just wave things away? Is it that easy? I wish. Um, that would be awesome. And I think that that would be uh, amazing. But I think um, in terms of kind of how we like to kind of put things, it's it's we are middlemen between the, the regulators and the, and the government and yeah. our carriers. We want to be there. We, we are support staff and support for the, the industry on both senses. Yeah. Um, we, want to we want to support the FMCSA with, I mean, at the end of the day, their, their rules and regulations are there to kind of save lives. So I don't want to discount that. Regulations are there for a reason. Right. Do I think that there's may maybe at some point too many um, or um, they've, put in, they've been put in place without proper um, testing and protocols to kind of like really kind of flesh out the problem? Right. Yeah, that happens. Because you have different people who are governing, right? You get the right, you get the left, and, you know, they, they go back and forth constantly with over-regulating, under-regulating, what really impacts the crashes. At the end of the yeah. day, that's what they look at is, is crash numbers, fatality numbers. Uh, the last year is the first year that they've actually decreased in, like, the last decade. Yeah. So, and what changed? A bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, can you pinpoint anything that really made the impact? So, we're not here to necessarily snap our fingers. I think uh, providing knowledge on a front-end base of, like, hey, how do, you know, I say a lot of times is just understanding, like, these are the regular, whether we think that this is fair or not, how we're audited and how we're, right. you know, the roadside inspections and whether we think. I think that's kind of fine, but it's really um, knowing open book tests, creating an open book test for yourself. That's the best way that I can put it is the carriers need to understand how they're scored, um, what are the metrics to being safe that the government says that they need to be. And then kind of falling in line with those guidelines and then kind of creating different processes and procedures and how you guys can make money and dispatch your drivers and do all that other stuff kind of underneath those guidelines. And honestly, I mean, we get a lot of phone calls from people that they, they understand the regulations. Uh, you know, maybe they're bigger fleets. They have a good, you know, full safety team. But a lot of times we get a lot of phone calls uh, that maybe they don't know. What are, what are a lot of times people who don't understand the regulations, what are they asking for? What do they think they're asking for? You'll get uh, larger, I mean, I think anywhere from larger to, to all the way down to owner operators have uh, struggles with understanding what these scores mean. I'm gonna be honest, like some of these trucking companies that have grown into large um, freight carriers, 60, 100 drivers, 
they've been in existence for 40, 50, 60 years. Maybe they're still kind of like, you know, living a little bit in the Stone Age, and that's great, right? These are the people that have, that's the backbone of our country. So I don't want to downplay that those businesses exist, right. but they haven't really uh, got into the technology portion or really cared about why the scores are. They're just saying, hey, we just want to be safe. Yep. So you have them, and they call you and say, hey, you know, we got these roadside inspections, and I need, to take, I need you to take a look at them and uh, see what you can do. And I, honestly, the first thing I tell them is, well, uh, nothing until you tell me which ones that you want me to take a look at. Exactly. And not to be, you know, it's not to be rude. It usually kind of breaks the ice a little bit and, you know, we both have a chuckle, but it's mostly, I need to know which violations, if it's already happened, yeah. I'm, we're, we're acting reactively to it. Yep. If, we were, if we're working with you on a proactive basis, then absolutely. I can kind of tell you how to prevent that stuff. And that's really the best way to kind of talk right. about it is we want to be proactive in our approach to our scores. Knowledge for the drivers, knowledge for the dispatchers, knowledge for the managers, knowledge for the mechanics. They need to know what the regulations are. It can't just be like a closed book that's like thrown in the you know the dust pile somewhere in the corner. Oh, I got the regulation book somewhere. Um, and then again, owner operators sometimes they get caught, and and really I feel bad for them because there isn't really a structure where the DOT comes out and gives you all the information that you have to be at a trucking company. Yep, you get the new entrant audit. That might happen in the first 12 months, but you've already been operating for six months. They don't limit you to how many drivers you can hire in that six months. So right. I could hire six drivers. I have six 80,000-pound trucks. If you can get the insurance for it. But yeah, yes. well, yeah, <laughs> right. That's a whole other aspect to it. But, yeah, I could have six owner-operators. Yeah. And, and in that end, you know, I got six owner-operators. The the cost for that is minimal right. to get people to lease onto you. Um, and I have six guys that I'm, in, under, I'm under control of, and I don't even know how – the scores work, what you need to do, how to manage these guys, whether I'm responsible or not. Some people think that they don't need to be responsible for those. Um, they'll call me and say, well, you know, I, I, my brokers won't give me loads anymore. They say my scores are bad. Can you look at it and see what I can do? And I said, unfortunately, you got pulled over without a CDL, you know, two months yeah. ago. You know, I say, hey, is there legitimacy to that? You know, is there anything that you have right. that maybe you submitted your med card to the state or you didn't have that suspension or, you know, it was already taken care of before you got the suspension, et cetera, and so forth. Is there something we can tangibly provide that, that this would, should not have been given? Right. And they say, no. And I say, unfortunately, that violation is going to stand. And you're just going to have to kind of live with, with that. Problem is, is that's kind of a death sentence for some of these guys. Right. The brokers will not work with them. Insurance carriers bump the rates up because, again, these are the ones, if you look at the statistics, unfortunately, the, the people who have the worst scores have the most losses and have the most crashes. Right. So I think, you know, boil us all down of how scores impact, the data is there. Companies who get into crashes are going to get into more. Companies who have unsafe driving violations are going to get more and that's going to lead to crashes because right. the number one crash indicator is speed. Companies who are um, over-dispatching their drivers and pushing the hours of service limits yeah. – are going to eventually have a crash where the driver was, you know, tired. Uh, people with defective equipment and bad vehicle maintenance scores, they're going to cause a crash because their vehicle is defective and the brakes are going to go out because they don't have a proper preventative maintenance program. Right. Or like all of these things and why the scores kind of happen really do kind of impact your real safety. So how do you counteract that? You know? So that sort of brings up, especially for new entrants, since we brought them up, um, I know the FMCSA has a proposal and maybe this next year we'll sort of see what this looks like, but they're wanting 
new entrants to have a safety score or a safety proficiency test. So it's just knowing the safety regulations. Basically, the first 12 months are supposed to be a new entrant audit, supposed to hold your hand through the audit process. It can still be a negative issue, but they're supposed to, you know, DT is supposed to be there to help. But before this, they're basically saying, hey, here's a standardized test on the rules and regulations. You need to know this before you can start a business. Do you see that as a good thing and why or why not? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, having some sort of proficiency guide isn't necessarily creating a barrier, but creating more knowledge. Right. Like a barrier of entry, right? It, it, that's not something that I think uh, can be downplayed, right? It's, it's a generally, it's a low barrier of entry, right. uh, comp, you know, business opportunity, right? Um, there's doesn't, you don't have to have a ton of schooling. Yeah, you, you do yep. have to go through the and get your CDL, you know, now and all that stuff. And there's the ELDT rule and creates more barrier and there's some thought process there to like, hey, we're creating, it's, it's harder to be a CDL driver now than what it was. Why are we doing that when there's a driver shortage already? But I think everybody can agree that we can't just throw drivers out there. They need to be trained properly. Quality drivers. But then it's like, mean, you yeah. have to train the companies too. If we're spending yes. all this time and investing in like, hey, you have to go through an ELDT approved vendor to get your CDL. But then anyone can go and apply for a DOT number and be on the road as a private carrier. I can apply for a DOT number today and be on the road legally tomorrow. Yep. Do I, has anybody explained to me, all I had to do is check a box that says that I comply, that I agree to comply, right? Yep. Yeah, legally, but that's, again, you're, you're, now the government is dealing retroactively, right? They're going to punt, they're there uh, to punish rather than to guide. Exactly. And I think that that needs to be kind of some of the goal. Back when the new entrant uh, audit was kind of proposed years ago, it was to show the carriers. And it was usually, it was, they, they really tried to do it in the first month. But as, you know, there's so many DOT numbers now. Um, you know, the volume, they, they can't keep up with the volume. I talk, to, no. I talk to DOT officers all the time for state, and they might not get to that new entrant audit that they're supposed to, you know, they send out a letter that says, hey, you got 20 days to, to, you know, submit all this stuff for a new entrant audit. We'll submit it, and I'll reach out to the officer and say, hey, everything's ready for you to review. And they'll say, hey, uh, we're backlogged right now. I might not get to it for four months. Said, okay, well, you let me know. Yep. You know, great. But um, to that extent, do I think that they're really taking the time to provide that knowledge and insight to the carriers like they're supposed to? I think some states do that. Some states don't. We try to kind of offer, I think we try to provide at least some um, confidence to the officers that we're providing some of that information. Which uh, I will segue to, uh, I mean, I write hundreds of articles uh, each year, at least 100 articles every year. Um, and they're on our websites, uh, whether it's our CNS trains for CDL training or, or uh, you know, CNS uh proactive safety type of information, uh, regulations and insurance, we cover everything. And then we have our, of course, our YouTube channel where we dive into all of this information. So if you want to prep yourself now for understanding some of the regulations that are out there, I mean, we have probably more source than the FMCSA would give you, or let alone what would be on a proficiency exam. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, in fact, a DOT audit, uh, uh, guide is, you know, we believe is the best DOT audit guide in the trucking industry. We cover everything, every step, uh, and going through a lot of the information we're going to talk about here now, uh, which you can check in linked in the bio below. But that sort of leads into like what are CSA scores? You know, the, as a sort of a sort of overview of this, we can go as nerdy as we want into this. But what is a CSA score, and what makes it, you know, what makes up that number? So like CSA scores and kind of what people just say, hey, safety scores or, or yep. any, 
combination of what letters that they can kind of come up with. I've heard, you know, they call us and say, hey, I got bad scores. Well, they're not really talking about their scores. They're talking about their rating. Or Correct. So, you know, CSA is an acronym that stands for Compliance, Safety, and Accountability. Yep. It is a more broad um, kind of term that they use to, that when they when they develop just the scoring and tracking structure. That's like the more broad program. So it's not they're not really CSA scores. They're basic scores. They're basics, right? Um, they're within the CSA. They have the safety measurement system, and that's the SMS. Mm -hmm. So that's really kind of where that stuff goes. So, you know, you can call whatever you want, and I'm, I'm not going to correct people and say, hey, and honestly, you know, whatever the, you know, people want to say the right term is. But these are your roadside scores is really where you want to kind of think about it. Yep. So, And it's not one score. You have seven. seven. So there's basics, and that stands for behavioral analysis and safety improvement categories. And again, honestly, it's always a tongue twister, and I have to look. <laughs> I have it written down in front of me because it's something that I don't ever really talk about. I just say basics, right? Yep. And when I say basics, I kind of equate it to like a bucket. I say, okay, these are these seven buckets. And every time that you get a roadside inspection or something happens on the roadside, that data goes into this bucket. And then that bucket gets graded individually. Yep. So, you know, if you get pulled over and you get either a lane change violation or a speeding violation or some sort of moving violation, that's going to go under your unsafe driving bucket yep. all across the board. So if I get into a crash, there's crash indicator, there's hours of service, there's vehicle maintenance, there's uh, hazmat, there's drug and alcohol, and then there's driver fitness. So they kind of all go, there's different violations that go under all of them. There's different levels of inspections, right? So yep. level one all the way through five. Technically, there's seven, but we don't, you know, I don't want to get into all the seven, but there's five that really people get, and there's levels one, two, and three that most people get. So right. level one and two, you're going to get everything. Yep. So your inspection could cross over for all the basics. I, maybe I got a clean vehicle maintenance score, but I got hours of service violations. But that'll help my vehicle maintenance score, but it's going to hurt my hours of service score. Right. So it can kind of affect multiple. Um Inside those scores, when you get pulled over, there's a severity weight. So like every individual violation gets given on a scale of one to 10. And that's predetermined. They have, you know, databases that you can find all the scores. It's kind of uh, convoluted. They try, I feel like they kind of make it convoluted on purpose. <laughs> but um, things like cell phone violations, things that you could probably equate to like being pretty bad. Right. Those are weighted at like a 10. You can get multiple scores stacked on top of each other. Yep. So there's a maximum individual weight of 30. And then that can get multiplied. And then there's a there's a time weight. So again, kind of getting into nerdy, right? Yep. Numbers. We can even get more nerdy because there's a whole formula to kind of score your stuff. But uh, I don't on a basic level, you should every carrier should understand that there's severity weight and time weight. Yes. Severity weight, everything is scaled on a one to ten on how bad they feel it is, if you want to simplify it. And then the time weight is how how recent it was. Yes. Within six months multiplied by three, six to twelve months multiplied by two. 12 to 24 months multiplied by one, so 20, 25th month falls off. Right. So basically, hey, if I got a violation, someone calls in and say, I got a violation uh, last week. Um, and, you know, that's very recent. It's going to be affecting your score for that category the most. But if someone called in saying, yeah, my, I had a violation. It was there a year ago. Um, you know, that's less weighted. And then it eventually does fall off after that two-year mark. Yeah, and I would say, like, you want to be checking your scores. Right. It's, it's kind of like a, hey, like, knowing, again, turning everything into an open book. Yes. The best knowledge is knowing about it because bad things can happen, too. DOT officers make typos all the time. 
might be a DOT number that they mistyped. Or happens all the time. They, all may, the they time. put the DOT and the MC number in the wrong slots. Yes. Now the wrong company's roadside inspection is tied to your score. Well, yep. if you don't know about it, you're going to get your insurance carrier that calls you um, come renewal time, and they're going to say, hey, we got to cancel your policy because you guys have an unscheduled piece of equipment on your uh, that's got that got inspected. And then it's up to you to provide proof that it didn't. Well, if you don't even know anything about it and you're trying to doing it at the last minute, yeah, it, it's very, I, mean, I shouldn't say it's impossible, but it's very hard to do it in time to really make an impact. Right. You don't want to get your insurance policy canceled because of something stupid like that. So checking them, it usually updates about the second week of each month. So, you know, making sure that you're looking at it, um, you know, once it updates is kind of set a calendar reminder and kind of go in there once a month and then seeing what happened. You know, larger companies are going to get way more inspections than smaller companies. Right course. And then, um, then I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like, you know, really kind of being able to provide proof that like a, if you are going to fight something, right. It's, it's up to you. The officer already documented it. Right. He already noted it. He probably already even took pictures and they, they keep them. They don't like give them all, you know, to the company. So oh, yeah, he didn't document anything. Well, he did. He doesn't have to give it to you. He gave you an inspection report. Yep. <laughs> So, you know, really it's kind of building the process that, you know, drivers should be contacting their companies as soon as an inspection occurs and whether it's good, bad, indifferent, you know, if it's good, Hey, give them a high five, celebrate it. Right. We yeah, want, totally. you want that. If it's bad. You know, how bad was it out of service? Cause then we need to figure it out right here. Then you can't go drive off. And then really it's, it's knowing about it before it hits your score. So that was the first thing. Correct. You shouldn't be finding out about the bad violation. Once the update happens, that means your driver didn't tell you. Right. That's, you know, we've already made this first mistake of not knowing about it first. And then it's really about training your drivers into kind of providing proof. Mm -hmm. They should know the, the, the knowledge. If they're operating under a short haul exception or some sort of brake exception, they need to know that when they're out there. They can't just, you can't just fight it after the fact all the time. Yeah. And it's a company that has to like, hey, it's your driver. <laughs> and that's what the DOT would always say. Yep. If the drive, if you pull, we've had multiple DOT officers work with us, work for us. They will always say when they pull over drivers and they have knowledgeable, like they're knowledgeable about the rules and what they're following, you're going to, without being like, you know, um, without causing a fight and being respectful, they're going to be way better off. So, you know, being able to do that. And then again, vehicle maintenance wise, the officer is going to walk you around and show you what violations you have. Everyone's got a cell phone now. Just have your drivers go around and take a cell phone shot of everything that the officer kind of docked them for and have them send it to you. Yep. Because then you can kind of see it too. There's, act, I mean, people say like, oh, that's crazy. They hit me up multiple times for the same thing. I said, well, if you had multiple lights out, they're, they're very much. But if they give you like a, a violation for an air hose or an airline that's chafed too much, that's actually a defined in the CVSA at a service book. It's not just like up to the officer's discretion. Like that inner ply must be showing for them to give you an out of service. Right. So if you have a picture and it doesn't show that the ply is out there, I could probably fight it for you. So I want to fight as many as I can and we want to and get these things off, but we have to have something to kind of go off of first. Totally. So. All right, so it's sort of taking a step back. So if, I mean, so obviously a DOT inspection is gonna tend to happen if the new entrant within 12 months are supposed to do something, supposed to uh, communicate with you that they're gonna do this, this audit, that's great. If you have violations and are a known issue, DOT is gonna be a little bit harsher on trying to inspect you. But the other piece of it is, what if I've never been inspected before? What if I've never had any kind of violation? Will I 
ever have information on my score? Is it a perfect score? What does that look like? So all the scores we talked about, like, you know, the specifics of the basics, they have another score that's called your ISS, yep. Inspection Selection System, is what they use. Now, the best way that I can kind of explain this is it's an amalgamation of all your other scores put into their internal system, and that grades you on a scale of 1 to 100. There is a random process that every officer needs to follow on their own. Right. So you might get pulled over just randomly because maybe that they have to write it down, and all the state you know officers that pull into the way stations, they have a process that says, okay, um, every fifth red truck they're going to inspect today. Whatever. Your truck they, is dirty. They change it every day, but yep. they're required to just randomly have a random process. Yep. So each officer has to do that, and they change it daily. So you might get pulled in just because of that. Yep. Chances are it's probably going to be either because of your ISS score or like an external red flag. Like you pull in and your you know your bumper is hanging off and your lights are out. Duh, right? Yep. More often than not, you're going to get an inspection if you get a moving violation. So if they pull you over, and then so if it's if it's the inspection can be triggered by I'll say four ways. One, randomly. Two, the ISS score. ISS is going to be 1 to 50. You're basically a green. You get a green light. They tend to wave you through unless there's something why they would need to. Right. 51 to 75 is yellow or discretionary upon the officers. You know, if they have time, if that vehicle got inspected before and it had a violation, there's a reason that they would want to double check to make sure that, that defect got corrected. Right. Um, that would be your yellow kind of uh, discretionary um window and then your 76 to 100 is red automatic um you're getting pulled over every single time right. because your scores are elevated and you have what's called alerts i forgot to talk about alerts of the basics but if you go over a certain threshold for any of the categories and you know i don't want to get into all the math for that but there's math individually uh, but if you're over like a threshold you'll have an worse alert than others if you're worse than your peers you will you will get kind of looked at a little bit more carefully and that's right. usually what triggers like audits and investigations and all exactly. that stuff but insurance carriers care about that they will literally like not write your policy if you have alert you know in your categories so iss scores would be another way for you to get inspected on a regular basis and then they have um post-crash inspections Correct. so every time that you're going to you know i shouldn't say every time many times when you get into a crash they will do a post-crash inspection to see if the defect to see if a vehicle defect caused the crash right so like they'll determine based off like if they do a crash, you know, investigation after it, the officer is going to say, hey, step out of the vehicle. They're going to go through and do an inspection. Well, the crash occurred, you know, to your front right bumpers when you impacted whatever you hit, whether it be another vehicle or not. Well, when they do the inspection and, your brake, and, and you're not getting any brake power, you're going to get a, out of service probably, and they're going to attribute that crash to the loss of brakes. Like if you lost air, if you lost air pressure in your brakes, or if you if he pulled, right, and he can determine that that uh, the collision didn't impact that system, that even looks even worse. So you're yeah. going to get an inspection maybe that way, and then obviously moving violations. So one of four ways you're going to get a roadside inspection, and then uh, again, all that data is then used to trigger alerts, and then those alerts are actually triggered. When I always say this, if you go into an alert in any category, your your DOT your company is going to cross. An investigator's desk at some point yep they're going to see your name come across an email or a desk as uh, a potential whatever those investigators then are kind of determining like hey has it been 15 years since their last audit i should probably look at this and see if they really need me to come out there and visit them again exactly if if it's a recent one saying okay well 
two years ago, they got audited and they had hours of service violations, a whole bunch of them, and they got fined and they're still in alert. And I can see that they're still trending kind of upwards, bad shape. Yeah, we're definitely coming back out again. Yep. Because you've had enough time to where you should have seen improvement. Correct. If you put the proper, you know, stuff in place and you know, we're kind of jumping, you know. <laughs> Which is fine. Well, different we'll, ways. We will but, get to that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, so these different ways of being inspected, and I know you, you know, you mentioned the ISS score. So this is sort of like you're rolling, you're rolling down the road, you know, the way station's coming up. Sometimes there's a van, uh, before the way station checking out vehicles. Sometimes the, in, inside the building, there's a computer screen and on that computer screen, that's where the ISS score is being popped up. That's where the officer is going like, Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. You're coming in. Um, so that's where the ISS score is, is happening is you're coming in roadside for your way station. Uh, and their computer is telling you, Oh, or telling them I, I should do something or not. So yeah, that all makes sense it, there. Cause there's even like a timing process. If it has been a while, they'll, they'll, make that score be a little harsher to, to trigger something eventually, um, which makes sense. So uh, the, last, the last question before we talk about how we need to fix scores, I'm curious, so how do you check your CSA score? And I think this is changing too, to a degree. <laughs> so you used to you know, go into SAFER, which is kind of like the DOT's public database, right? And, and we won't get into what SAFER means, but um, SAFER, you punch in your DOT number, you go to your company's page, and you can kind of see all the data. Right? Yep. So I can see how many trucks I have, how many you know, drivers I have, my out-of-service rates, all that stuff. You can then click on kind of a link to get into your SMS scores, which is like you know, your more detailed look at yep. your basics. Um, so in that, you used to be able to put in your DOT PIN number and check it. And, and actually, as of like today, uh, they pushed through the update where uh, they're making everybody log in with their portal credentials yep. now because you should have a portal account and that portal kind of ties you to all the other websites. And yeah. FMCSA was hacked. They're trying to be a little bit more strict on their login process to keep things safe. So if you've already done the clearinghouse, CDL clearinghouse registration for like as a company, you should have a portal account. Uh, and this is just making everybody else do it as well. So yeah, so now you log in with your portal and then you can kind of um, see your scores. And again, I would recommend doing it monthly. Yep. Doing it more than monthly is probably a waste of time. Like if you're just like, if you have a safety director yep. and you're like, I want you logging in daily and you should be, you know, you can see more um, more available information through the portal, like daily, like uh, actually like a day or two after an inspection occurs in your portal account, you can actually see that, but it won't reflect your scores yet until like the next month's update. Right. And if you successfully data queue, it's not once, you know, it's going to be two weeks to a month till it probably gets approved or denied anyway. And then the next following update is when it kind of reflects. So if, you know, people are always asking like, well, if I do get a data queue accepted, you know, how long does it take? Right. You know, it's probably going to take every state's a little bit different. Um, some states have multiple people working in the data queue office. Some people only have a few. Yet really, you know, we know we know them because <laughs> there's exactly. only there's only so many. So, um, you know, and and the officers really are, are they they want to help the carriers, right? Right. I mean, I, I know that there's a couple in every regulatory institution. There's always a couple bad eggs, but in general, officers are trying to educate and hold accountable. Which exactly. for the companies that are trying to 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 do the right thing, it really you want that. You don't want paper tigers out there that are just going to be saying, hey, these regulations exist, but you guys don't need to do anything about it. All right. And then before we move on to correcting uh, bad scores, last question is just going to be, how are you notified? How, how is it triggered? How are you notified 
that an audit is happening? Um, and how quickly does that take place? What are some best practices? So with the kind of how the scores, and again, like I said, like, you know, one alert kind of crosses over. One alert, you might get audited, especially if you're like a hazmat carrier, right? Because there's, you know, hazmat, they kind of put a, a little bit of a caveat on and, and the score thresholds are a little bit lower for hazmat carriers. Right. Um, two alerts, you can almost guarantee that there's going to be an investigation. If you have two alerts, especially over like an extended period of time that you, you hold these two. Right. Uh, if it, if it, if you kind of creep into the second one for like a month and then it dips back down, maybe you'll avoid it. Um, you get you're getting an audit, right? So and then audits are different too. They're not all we say audits, but there's different types. Correct. And and really none of them are really. I mean, some of them are called audits. And not but, all of them are DOT. <laughs> there's IFTA, IRP, others, but we're going to stick to DOT specifically. So. so and then when DOT, right? We we talk DOT, and it's really the FMCSA is kind of who's Correct. auditing you and and. Correct. You know, PHMSA and FIMSA, they can kind of come out and get you too. But really, when you're talking trucking companies, FMCSA, who's governing you? Federal Motor Carrier Safety Association. They will, uh, a couple ways they'll probably contact you. Usually you're going to get a letter in the mail. Yep. Um, if they don't hear from you, you might get an email. Mm -hmm. If they don't hear from you, you might get a phone call. And if they still don't hear from you, you might get a knock on the door. And I've had multiple companies who they had the their mailing address or their physical address was wasn't even real or it was wrong or True. they didn't check it. They didn't check their mail. So then it got past the date and then officers go out and knock on your door. And then when you're not there, now they're like, well, they're ditching me. Yeah. So they'll pull your authority right then and there. And it's like, well, they're, they're avoiding the audit. Yep. Um, so obviously make sure that you're checking your mail or however you usually get contacted by the DOT. What, wherever you get your .gov emails kind of sent to, check that because they'll be sending it to you. Um, and they'll check and, and really how the audits kind of work is you either have, I would, I would consider the audits in two. There's a little bit more, but two is focused reviews and compliance reviews, focused reviews. They're really looking at the problem areas. Okay. You have a, a an alert in vehicle maintenance and hours of service. We're just going to focus the audit on those two categories. Yep. Great. Okay. However, if you were to pass with flying colors, those focused reviews don't get you a satisfactory rating because there's not enough data to say that you're satisfactory. Correct. That's like saying you're a perfect human being when only you look to see if I tied my shoes today. <laughs> like you're only looking at a per, as one aspect of it. Yep. Whereas a compliance review is like across the board, we're checking in all facets of your operation. Exactly. That is where the ratings come out. So mm -hmm. you're either given a satisfactory, which means you pass with flying colors, awesome job. You know, you didn't have uh, any violations or enough to give you a, a downgrade. Uh, if you are given a conditional rating, which is kind of like the, you know, the one step down, yep. uh, you're operational, but you basically have a big red flag that says, you know, I have safety issues, you know, essentially. And that's posted publicly 60 days after your, your audit finalizes. Correct. Um, people usually kind of think that it's a big deal once the audit gets done with, and then after it posts and all their, you know, and their insurance broker calls them and their, all their brokers call them. And they won't give them loads. Now they really care about it. And they're like, yeah. but it's too late at that point. It already hit you. Yeah. Uh, so you can get a conditional rating. Um, and then the final one would be uh, an unsatisfactory rating. Um, that would be 60 days after that audit closes. You are deemed unfit to operate. Yep. Meaning that they will pull your intrastate and interstate authority until you can prove that you are safe enough to operate. So you can, you know, the process is you basically submit a corrective action plan that proves that you have fixed all the defects that that investigator found. Um, and then the worst case scenario is if you get an audit and they deem you uh, an imminent hazard 
to public safety. <laughs> they will shut you down immediately. There's a few times we see that come across the news. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, uh, the, 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 the one that I always like to kind of keep an eye on is the DOT inspector general um, right. email. And that one's, you, you get the worst case, the nightmare scenarios yep. of, you know, companies who are fraudulently doing stuff or Correct. they're like proactively telling their drivers to, you know, use multiple ELD login accounts. And, you know, you find out that the driver drove, you know, 18 straight hours and then he got into a crash. Like you're, you're actively doing illegal stuff. These, these are the people that we do not want on the roads. Right. I mean, if you call us, we'll try to help you, you know, no matter who you are. But at the same point, like if you're trying to do the right thing, we're there for you. You know, exactly. if you're really trying to be a, a criminal and, and do that, then we, there's not really much hope for you. <laughs> and not much we can do for you because <laughs> you're just <laughs> same thing. Trying to find the loopholes uh, and trying to find the magic wand, but it's not a magic wand. It's a long-term fix. Now, um, so we so we touched on this, uh, you know, the warning letters. So again, the warning letters and the email, you know, that's coming from the DOT. But there's a lot of stuff that looks like it's coming from the DOT. So if you have any question, don't just think it's spam. Call us or call someone else to sort of verify. Hey, is this legit? And then you know, again, it's documented email or snail mail. And then, yeah, and then we can help you verify that, that, yep, that's coming. And whether it's we can help you prep ahead of time uh, or, you know, if the outcomes already happened, we can help with different processes. Now, so the helping part, sort of the magic wand part, there's a couple ways to fix different things because there's a couple different types of fixes. We touched a little bit on one, and that is the FMCSA the, the, the inspector made a mistake. They put in the wrong number. Uh, I'm getting a violation that that ain't my truck. That ain't my violation. How do you fix that? The, so the data queue process or what you're doing is you're actually challenging data. And you can challenge data a multitude of ways. You can actually challenge clearinghouse data. You can challenge violation data. You can challenge audit data. You can challenge just regular information on your company. Like if you go to do your MCS 150 and it just will not take your address. Right. Like submit a data queue that gets somebody else to look at it so they can kind of like, it's a real person to, to look at your information. Yes. Um, so that's one way. And there's a portal. Um, you can create your own data queue account as a carrier uh, company. We have, we have a third party account that we, you know, submit many data queues to. Um, that's also how you um, submit for crash preventability. Yes. So, you know, there's a way that they determine whether your crashes should count against you or should not count against you. So in the simplest of terms, the crashes that count against you are the ones that kind of impact your scores. The crashes that don't count against you are the ones that they've deemed non-preventable. And those should not count against you. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, we'll but that, if but. you have, if you know that this, this was a mistake of some sort and you have data to prove it, submit that data. As much data as you can, more data you have, the easier it is to prove. <laughs> and sometimes we can even get creative and, and say, okay, listen, like I got uh, hours of service violation and I just don't really know if, if the violation they got me was correct. Right. And I'm questioning it. All right. Well, then we can kind of do some investigate. I can look at your lo driver's logs and kind of see if they really were right. Now, again, the roadside officers, for the most part, know the, the, the rules. Right. So the chances, I mean, it's slim, but they do make mistakes in the regulations. So we, we do win a lot of those too. Sometimes they're just, you know, who knows if that roadside officer had been working, you know, a long day too, and you don't, you don't know what he was going through. So maybe he made a mistake. Yep. Where do you see some of those mistakes happening that are like gray areas in the rules or rules that have recently changed? I would probably say the most times you're going to see roadside officers make, make mistakes is when you have local, yep. right? State police and California Highway Patrol and, um, 
Texas Department of Public Safety officers. Like these are the ones, Pennsylvania State Police, these are the ones who are governing that and they're the ones that are trained and doing all that stuff. Yep. Your local borough policeman is not trained. So if Correct. he pulls you over because you're just speeding and then he decides to give you inspection, now he, he needs to actually be trained. Like it's not like all officers can actually Correct. give you an inspection. They can give you the violation for sure. He might even need to call somebody at his own, you know, hey, come down here and do the inspection because I'm not trained to do it. Um, so if he, but they don't do them a lot. So even if he's trained to do a level one inspection and he comes out, the volume that he's gone through, he might make a mistake yep. and he might give you a violation for uh, a flat tire, but he didn't actually take a reading. Exactly. Right? Well, they have to give you a reading. So if the reading's missing, I'll challenge it for you. Uh, if you are claiming an exception, there's so many nuanced rules. Roadside officers don't necessarily know all of them. Yes. Right. So, um, we, 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 you might have claimed, uh, Hey, you know, your driver's a cement truck driver and he's exempt from the 30 minute break. But then when the officer looks at his logs, he doesn't see a 30 minute break. And then he gives him a violation for that. Uh, or failure to use an ELD device when required is a common one. And then we have to find out like, Oh, it was actually a short haul driver. Team like, driving, sleeper berth, personal conveyance. <laughs> most of the time it's because the officer just didn't have all the information available to him at the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, maybe the, there's miscommunication. That happens a lot too. The Correct. driver just couldn't explain yep. what they were trying to do. <laughs> you know, hey, where are you coming from? Simple question, but sometimes that answer isn't so simple and then it kind of gets you in, in hot water. Personal misuse of personal conveyance, you know, all the time. Yep. So um, there are violations that we can kind of challenge. So that's kind of the, the first avenue of kind of like, I would say this, that's the worst way to control your scores. Correct. I, I'd, I'd put it that way. So that's the bottom threshold of our totem pole. All right. So I got inspected. I went through whether it's 11 level one, let's just say a level one audit and it was full on inspection. Yep. They found violations. I admit it. I made mistakes. Uh, in fact, they could probably find any audit can find a mistake probably. But again, there's a couple things that I knew was going to be an issue. It popped up. There it is. What can I do? So with regards to it, we know that it was our fault. We know that the drivers just made a mistake. Training, right? I mean, like that bottom line is like they need to, the, the knowledge has to be there, right? I, I would say most drivers, not all, but most want to do the right thing. Exactly. They don't want to be bad drivers. I mean, it's just like me being like, hey, I want to be a bad, you know, DOT, you know, consultant. Like I, I, I don't, I want to know all the rules. And I want to do a good job. So do they. So we have to have that faith that our drivers want to do the right thing. Right. Problem is, is there's a push for making more money, right? So when it's this or this, sometimes this is just kept, it's not as important. Right. We have to, I mean, safety cannot be a choice. Correct. Um, compliance cannot be a choice. It is, but it shouldn't be. Right. Um, it should just be there, right? That's our baseline is we have to follow these rules and regulations. So usually it's a knowledge thing. Hey, you know, you got to talk to the driver and say, hey, are you, do you understand this rule? Do you know how to do a proper pre-trip inspection? Let's train you. Let's, let's have our mechanic go through or maybe let's have our senior driver go through and work with you a little bit shadow him on some training, shadow him on a trip, whatever you can do, okay? Do that yep. first. Then it's like, okay, and then that's accountability thing. Because if, internally, if you have a paper tiger situation where it's like no one's monitoring the logs, no one's monitoring the un, uh, personal conveyance, you don't have a personal conveyance policy, we don't, we kind of just say, hey, the drivers are responsible. Hey, they're the ones that are out there. They should know what they're doing. Right. Well, unfortunately, that's just not going to happen. And you're going to have bad scores probably. And you're going to get into a crash and you're going to get an audit and it's just not going to go well. 
you can call us and we'll help you. But <laughs> yeah. And so obviously, you know, the next step is going to be if you got an unsatisfactory, we can talk about cap plans and corrective action. Uh, but a lot of this, of course, is leading to sort of that proactive safety piece too. It's like, maybe they'll call into our insurance company and being like, hey, uh, get me a quote for insurance. Oh my gosh, it went up a lot. Like, uh, what can you do to help me lower my insurance premiums? Oh, well, if you've been working with CNS, you know, and a lot of times we work together as, as our insurance provider and as um, your, your safety and compliance, you know, we can help let you know, hey, uh, you know, you're sort of stuck with your score now and your premium now, but hey, in a year from now, when you do your renewal next year, we see a lot of these violations about to fall off. Your premium can be a lot better and maybe you want to shop or maybe you want to do something else to get a better premium. We can give you sort of that timeline or how to start looking good moving down the road. So a lot of that is proactively having a plan in place, which, you know, we can help you out with. But that sort of leads to, okay, I got an unsatisfactory rating. I can't, I can't, brokers aren't going to let me haul. Uh, FMCSA says I need to have a plan in place. What kind of, what is this plan supposed to look like and how can we help you with that? So they want to see the, the if you're going that route, there's yeah. a couple of different options after an audit. You can either do an administrative review. We're actually fighting the violations. Right. That's usually doesn't go very well unless you know. It happens once in a blue moon where the investigator actually makes an error and you're questioning that. Yep. Uh, you have to send that into like the Washington DC office and it's just a long process. And honestly, you're probably going to go out of service by the time that it happens anyway. Um, or you submit a corrective action plan and that's basically a written plan that addresses all the violations and then we're submitting proof as well. So if right. I get hours of service violations, I'm actually going to submit logs with supporting documents in there and the, 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 the detailed review that I actually internally reviewed all those logs and made sure that they were good. Right. And I'm showing them my internal process that I'm policing myself because at the end of the day, they don't want to police you. Correct. Right. That's not really the role. It's enforcement of the regulations. They want you to be controlling your drivers already. So we have to make sure that we're having uh, what they call safety management controls. Right. That's a broad term that a lot of the DOT investigators use is proper safety management controls. This would be like internal log audits. Somebody's reviewing in your ELD account for unassigned miles and disconnects and violations and all that stuff. Uh, making sure that the drivers are utilizing it properly. Um, that you have a vehicle maintenance plan and that's being, you know, followed. Yep. So improvement over time is really, you know, developing a it happens from hiring the right drivers and qualifying them and doing your due diligence on that end, training them appropriately initially, yep, and then ongoing training, right? Yep. So it's not just like, hey, we showed you what to do when you first started. It's, hey, you know, a couple times a, a month, we're having like toolbox talks. You know, before you go out, you know, your safety manager is kind of just pulling you aside or the owner, right? Not all companies have safety managers. We understand that. Yep. Most don't. Right. But smaller companies, maybe your owner, maybe the owner's wife pulls you aside and says, Hey, you know, Billy, you know, we're just really, really glad to have you. Love you working here, man. But, you know, I, I think we're not doing a, a detailed enough job of doing our pre-trip inspections. Right. I've been looking at your pre-trip reports and every single one of them says that there, there's no defects found. And I looked at the last you know, 30 days and you haven't reported a single defect, man. Uh, what's going on here? Well, you know, I, I'm just real busy. You know, the logs, you're, you guys are pushing me a little bit more. We'll say, hey, Billy, tell you what, that's fine. We're going to back you off a couple loads, you know, in the next couple of weeks. And hopefully that'll give you enough time to, you know, complete like a full pre-trip inspection when you right. need to. 
that's one instance, right? So you have to kind of control the, 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 the root of the problem. You exactly. keep asking why until that problem kind of occurs. So when we're working with companies, we kind of keep asking the whys, develop those policies, make it realistic because we don't want to have paper tiger policies. Exactly. We, we can't say that you have, you know, if you're allowing, drivers are allowed to use personal conveyance. So when you say that we have a, hey, you know, we have a 30-minute personal conveyance policy, that's, for lack of a better term, that's pretty dumb, right? Because what if I'm using personal conveyance for truly personal use for an hour? I'm driving to my buddy's funeral, our family member's funeral in my truck, and it's an hour and a half away. Yep. Well, how, how do I have a 20-minute, 30-minute personal conveyance policy when I'm, when I'm allowed to do that? Exactly. So we have to say, okay, well, let's, it's about knowledge, right? Companies who put those little 20, 30-minute personal conveyance policies in place, they want to just make something that's easy rather than exactly. give the drivers knowledge of how to comply. So I think it's knowledge-based, training-based, and then obviously creating policies where you can actually do something about it in the long term. And then tracking your scores. Talk about them. Don't hide the scores from the drivers. Yeah. Like you said, toolbox talks or regular quarterly trainings or an annual training, whatever you guys can do is always going to be better than nothing. Talk to your drivers. Tell them what the scores mean. Say, hey, if we can keep, you know, if you get a clean inspection, maybe we'll give you a gas card. Maybe we'll give you a, a gift card for you and your wife to go out to eat. Maybe we'll give you a, a Dick's gift card for your kid's baseball glove. Yep. Get to know, it's just like any other business. You get to know your employees. You get to know what they like. Get to know their wants, needs, you know, and then go from there and, and, and you know, treat people, you know, like they want to be treated. And that's that's kind of how I would always tell people to kind of run their businesses. And again, I'm not here to tell you how to run your business, but give some guidance in terms of what I've seen. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's really a great way to sort of wrap this up. I mean, honestly, you know, we're here to give you guys information. You, there, all the information's out there on how to help you guys help yourselves with throughout this process. But if you need help with any of this, I mean, we, we do all of this. In fact, DOT inspectors go, oh yeah, you work with CNS. We know your stuff's going to be good. Like, uh, you know, check out our five five star reviews on Google and see how many of there are. Look at those reviews, and you know, you know, not only are we trustworthy, but people are saying that we're trustworthy, including, you know, our D the DOT officers that are out there. So, you know, I, if you need help, I mean, we're we're the experts in that field, and we want to help you out. Otherwise. You know, check out other information. Um, check out our website for all the articles. All you know, if you want to go into depth about some of this, uh, we we touched basically almost everything here on on CSA scores or you know in safety scores and and what this sort of looks like. But there's so many other regulations out there: drug testing regulations, driver uh, qualification records, and you know if anything that you need for licensing and permitting and renewals and all the all the chaos of literally all the regulations. You know, we have the information out there to help you out. Go check that out. But really, yeah, I think I think we hit everything that we wanted to hit. So, uh, Jared, thank you so much for joining us, walking through all of this with me and with all of us. Um, and as always, stay safe out there. Uh, uh.